and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today, we are once again joined by County Administrator Scott Stevens. Welcome, Scott. Well, hello, Renee. It's great to be back. Uh, I guess it really is Happy New Year. It seems like we just did this, but when I look back, it was December. So first time I've had a chance to speak with you in this format and work through, and I will tell you, it's been a blur. We've had our first snowfall, which is really nice. More to come. So I would encourage people to get out and play. And for me, it's always nice to have it, but it's nice for it to go away. Uh, your county staff and VDOT are working to make sure we can make things as safe as possible, but we'll always encourage people to stay home where possible and let uh, let Mother Nature help us along that process of moving the snow out. So, um, you know, I know what you and I have spent a tremendous amount of time on in January is vaccination. So mm-hmm. we definitely will have to talk about that today. But yeah. Uh, before we get into that, I thought I might uh, go through with our normal board of supervisor kind of meetings and summaries. There have been a lot of activity there. Our board's been busy through January and just see what kind of things come out of that. So does that work for you? It's perfect. Perfect. And I would mention, as we look at backgrounds, of course, Renee has put in a ton of hours over the last month. She happens to be working from home today as a number of our staff still telework. And again, you know, we have said from the beginning that our staff is here, our offices in terms of appointments and availability, we're here working for the community. And we have a lot of folks who have converted portions of their home into an office. And I would just tell you, I think that's a model that will continue for at least a few more months that uh, until we have better guidance and we get more people vaccinated. And I do want to thank Renee and our other staff that are making those accommodations at home because it's not all easy. It's hard when you're at home to cut off work. I think we're getting oftentimes more production out of our employees because they can't just walk out of the office at five. It's still sitting there looking at them. So Renee, I want to thank you for that. I do want to acknowledge when people say, well, where is she? That she's in her other office, at least where she's been for a while. So, Well, and um, I think also that we've been fortunate that we're able to rotate through the office. So I'm in the office on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I'm still able to be there, get face or as close to FaceTime as we can get there with folks. And, but the rest of the time I'm at home, my desk phone is forwarded. It's seamless, I think. So, no, I, th- I hope for the public that it really is. And I know, like you, there are a number of other employees throughout many departments that are doing that same thing. They're just too close together if they're all at work, or if you're all at work, you tend to congregate a little bit, even when we remind ourselves not to do that. It's just hard as people not to want to be around other people. And so, we are doing that through a lot of departments. But I do want to reassure the community we're here, or your staff's working for you. And I do want to thank our staff because it's not always easy with pets and children and spouses and other people in the household and trying to keep it look decent in the background because we don't (laughs) see all these things now. So, uh, but I do think it's worked really well and our IT staff has supported that. And uh, anyway, I just want to acknowledge that and say thank you and to the other employees that are doing that. Um, In terms of our board meetings, again, it has been an active month for our board of supervisors. It usually is in January. And so their January 4th organizational meeting they did elect a new chair. So chair is our, the chair for the uh, Board of Supervisors is Michael Hippel and the vice chair is Ms. Sue Sadler. And so that is, uh, uh, we look forward to working with both of them and their new roles. And again, we're off and running this month already. Some things that confuse people sometimes, they also elected a chair for JCSA at the organizational meeting. They have a JCSA Board of Directors, not Board of Supervisors. And the chair there is Ruth Larson and the vice chair is John McGlennon. And so people sometimes wonder, what are you doing and why are you giving us two chairs and vice chairs? They are two different organizations. They are the same board members, but they're different boards and we are separate entities. So uh, we share a lot in common, but we are separate entities. So if people are confused, that is the why. Uh, Another significant change is they changed a little bit of their meeting. They still meet the second and fourth Tuesday. Uh, Their regular meeting at five o'clock on the first Tuesday 
we have changed the format to make it more of a public comment, public hearing type meeting. Sometimes those meetings that start at five can go eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And that's after somebody has spent a full day at work. And so the hope was we would start those meetings at five o'clock and really uh, focus on public comment, public hearings. And so hopefully that clears us out by seven or eight versus nine or 10. And we'll see how that works this year. The second meeting, the business or the work, what was the work session that began at four is we have now renamed and called a business meeting that is gonna begin at one o'clock on the fourth Tuesday. We held our first one of those. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but it's meant to be presentations, discussion items and board actions. It's not meant to be public comment, public hearing. And again, we'll see how that goes uh, works as we go forward in time. But I do think it'll have the board more aware and involved on those items that they won't have spent all day at work, maybe a half day, and then a half day during the day with us. And maybe it allows more of our staff to be involved in these meetings as well. So we'll see it. We'll evaluate that after we go through a few months of that and see if that's still working. Um, I think it's important, if I can interject, to remind everyone that both meetings are available um, live streaming on both our county's website as well as channel 48 and 1048 on Cox. So folks can even sitting at their office can if they have time can sit and watch those meetings as well. No, I appreciate you pointing that out. And I think that's very important. All the meetings of the board are public meetings. Uh, we have tried to discourage as much in person over, since March because of the pandemic, but they are public meetings. You can watch them. You can come to them. We would just, uh, we're social distancing. And if we get a crowd, we're not able to always allow all into the boardroom. And so there are some challenges with that or could be, uh, but definitely our intent is to make sure the community knows what the board is doing and what actions they're taking on your behalf. So if you have questions or concerns with how we're conducting that, we just encourage people to reach out to us. We'll be happy to try and accommodate that and make sure their voice is heard and they have the opportunity to know what's going on. Um, during the board of directors meeting, they don't, or the organizational meeting, they don't normally take action, but there were a couple of things that were pressing. One was a utility relief program uh, that will help our water and sewer customers through JCSA, but the county had to receive those funds. So they did authorize that. It was $315,000 coming as a grant to the county that we then give to JCSA that would help with those that have had issues paying their utility bills that are related to COVID. And so JCSA is working through that problem. Uh, we did have a delinquency out there of somewhere similar number to the 300 some thousand dollars. So it'll go a long way to really helping our customers who were struggling financially during this time to really help with them. So I think that's a good program. The second uh, action the board took was uh, we were going through a comp plan update. We expect to finish that in the next, I guess, four to six months at this point, four to eight months, short time frame, but this year, um, and they did delay rezonings, at least large scale rezonings, trying to not to do things differently than the new comp plan might want them to do. So they did take those two actions uh, at their organizational meeting uh, in early January. The other thing they did is we had enough going on with vaccinations that they had a vaccination update from our fire chief, Chief Ryan Ash. And I'll talk more on that later, but that's going to be a common theme as we go through these meetings of uh, hearing about vaccine and, and uh, the status of that. When they moved to their January 12th regular meeting, uh, we did invite our Peninsula Health Director, Dr. Adwamina, to that meeting. So she was able to attend virtually, talked about the vaccination pro process here in the Peninsula Health District and what we could expect. Uh, they did hold a pre-budget public hearing, and then they um, uh, had some discussion around that. And so again, that meeting uh, was mostly centered around vaccination discussion and then a couple of other public hearing items. So. Um, 
Moving to January 26th, our first business meeting, again, started at one o'clock. That is the new time. And to your point, it is a public meeting. So we invite the public to preferably tune in and watch us um, live uh, on TV or on social media. But you're certainly welcome to come and be in person if you'd like. Um, January 26th, they had a, a uh, VDOT quarterly update. So we had Rossi Carroll, our administrator here, uh, talking through that and a lot of questions from the board and interest from the community. We did the results of our employee engagement survey. Um, we conducted a survey. It was a second similar format, but a second one that we completed two years ago. We completed the second one this past summer. So the July, August timeframe had our HR department, Stephanie Burton, do a, a presentation to the board. And I think overall it shows we've got a, a workforce that is very uh, committed to working here, enjoys working here. And I think the results of the survey give us some areas of focus to see going forward. We've used the last survey to improve some benefits for employees and other things that were brought out. And we'll use the results of this survey as we go forward the next two years as well. But I do think uh, it shows that we have a workforce that is pretty satisfied working for James City County and serving this community. And I really do wanna thank them for that. I think they do a great job of that. But we had a second quarter financial update and uh, from our, uh, Financial Management Services Director, the Sharon Day. Uh, overall, we adopted a budget that was somewhat less than our previous budget, uh, but we're tracking better than our budget. So sales tax is much better than we anticipated this year. That is a significant part of our budget. We talk an awful lot about tourism revenues. Well, they're embedded in the sales tax, meals tax, and hotel taxes. So again, the sales taxes, which are a bigger number, are trending very well, really better than we anticipated in our budget. Uh, the meals tax and hotel taxes trending not as well. So again, in the three of them, uh, we're doing overall better than we expected, but the meals and lodging taxes are still lagging over where they've been in previous years. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that so that we can make adjustments as we go through the year if needed. Uh, but currently, I feel the county is in very good financial shape. And I think you'll hear more on that as we go forward in time. We also brought in our consultant, Davenport and Associates, that does a lot of financial modeling and uh, working with us on debt uh, issues. They gave a comprehensive financial review. Again, I think it will, if you go back and watch that at the Board of Supervisors meeting, their report was very positive. We have a lot of debt capacity, not that we should borrow a lot of money. Uh, we're in good shape as a AAA bond rating on all three credit rating agencies. Uh, there is some opportunity for refunding some, high, refunding some higher interest bonds that were issued approximately 10 years ago and saving the community some money going forward. So those are discussions our board will have uh, at future meetings. And then we did ask Davenport to begin the, the look at a five-year financial forecast, both of expenditures and revenues. We do some of that with our CIP. We've not gotten quite as detailed into our operating budgets. And so we began that discussion with the board. It's a lot of assumptions that go into it. And what it shows is generally speaking, looking five years out, uh, it, it's okay. There is a gap between revenues are anticipated and some of the expenditures we anticipate. Uh, but as we refine that model and really work with our board on what's important to them and the community, we can uh, better plan for our future in terms of uh, do we have to have an increase in revenue through growth, through taxes, through some other fee or structure that the state allows. So more to come on that. We also had a, our annual report presented to the board. Um, at this meeting, really looking at fiscal year 20, which is July 19 through June of 20. So we're six months beyond that year, but uh, a lot of good things in spite of COVID at the end of the year, a lot of good things occurred for us in fiscal year 20. So I would encourage people to, to go back and watch that presentation. Uh, during their consent agenda portion, the board accepted almost well, $900,000 in grants from various sources. 
Um, and I remind our staff all the time some to please pursue those funds. They help leverage our local monies. Those grants are going somewhere across the state. They ought to come to James City County where possible. And I think our staff does a really good job seeking out those outside funds that can help uh, improve the quality of life here. And some grants are fairly recurring and rather easy. Many of the grants take a staff person really pursuing and putting the effort into it. And we're doing that in a lot of our departments. So almost, uh, we get $900,000 that the board accepted at this last meeting, which speaks very well to the effort here. Uh, they also agreed to waive credit card convenient fees. We started that uh, back in uh, the April, May timeframe. Um, for our residents, again, that 3% credit card fee that we're charged, we were using CARES Act money to pay for. Uh, the board did agree to do that until the end of June. So we are, have extended those till the end of June. And I know our treasurer would like to maybe talk about that going forward and the board had expressed some interest. So during our budget process, we will talk more about, is there a way to do that going forward? And again, at the June, January 26th meeting, the board had another vaccination update from Chief Ash. So again, I told you that's been a common theme for January and it continues to be. So Renee, uh, um, last board meeting and that we haven't held yet, but upcoming January 30th. And so by the time this is airing, uh, it'll air after that meeting. But just so you know, the board of supervisors holding a retreat on Saturday, January 30th, starting at nine o'clock, likely run until two. We're going to talk about budget issues as we go into sort of pre-budget for us and what's important to the board. Uh, Ambler's House and sort of what its future may look like and some RFPs that we have uh, put out there and now received. Uh, we have a facilities master plan update that we're talking through redistricting and what will come with the census uh, data coming out in April. We have to redistrict and balance our voting districts. So we will uh, talk with the process on the board and try to get to a direction from them. And then transportation related items, everything from bike trails to intersections that they feel are unsafe and some effort or advocacy we can do with VDOT to improve those kind of areas within our community. And then a 757 recovery and resiliency that are um, throughout the Hampton Roads area trying to help businesses and, and families recover. So. Uh, I'll have more to report on that. Maybe when we talk in February or March, today, we'll see where we are with that. So anything from the board meetings you think I've missed at this point or is that enough? I, I think that that is plenty. Like you said, they were two very packed meetings with great stuff. So. It's, been a, it's been a busy, busy month. Uh, just in the board meeting side, uh, it's been extremely busy, but uh, the next topic will be a little deeper dive into vaccinations. And I will tell you that has... Uh, consumed many of us for the past four to six weeks. And it should, it's extremely important. Um, I do wanna say this going in that, you know, just because we're getting people vaccinated doesn't make it better today. I do believe it will make it better in the future, but we are months away from that. And so in case I forget at the end, we still need, at the end, I wanna share it now, Renee, that, you know, we still need to wear our masks. We still need to wash and sanitize our hands and we still need to social distance and not be in crowds. What, what we continue to hear from the Department of Health is where, where the transmission rates are the greatest today is us at friends and family gatherings where people are still, they're, they're sort of tired of being cooped up. They wanna get back out and see people. Um, and we just all need to be, aware and make smart decisions. And I, you know, I am still visiting some with my 82 year old mother because I think that's important for her well-being and ours. Uh, but we do try to not get into too large of groups. And I would just encourage others to uh, make some decisions. I know many families have sacrificed traditions and things they've done forever and held Christmas and birthdays via Zoom or conference calls. Um, and I know it's tough, but I do think that messaging, it's still important for another three to six months. Uh, and then we'll go from there. But the, I think the vaccines and the opportunity and the number of people being vaccinated does give us real hope. Um, 
I know there is a tremendous amount of frustration with vaccinations within our community, um, throughout the peninsula, Hampton Roads, our state, the country. You know, I read a lot of news reports from all over. So it's not just a frustration here locally, it's a frustration nationwide with the process. And maybe a, the other countries I haven't paid as much attention to, but my sense is it's a frustration globally because people are ready, right? They want the vaccine, those that want it, want it right now. And studies are showing, you know, 60 to 70% of folks are saying they would like to be vaccinated. Well, that's a lot of people to do at one time. Even in James City County, that's close to 54,000 people. If you take 70% of our population, that's a lot of doses to give out at one time. And so we're working through those processes. And I do want to tell people there are a lot, uh, there's a lot of effort going to make it better. You know, in Virginia, the health department has is the lead agency for this. It is not a county function to give vaccinations on a typical basis. So we're not in that profession. We have EMT staff that can, are close as we get to medical. Uh, there is a lot of behind the scenes to any of these vaccination clinics in terms of getting the vaccine there, making sure it's safe and properly stored, making sure the record keeping, making sure the oversight from the medical side is there. Um, and we have been well, I have learned a lot more about that these last four to six weeks than I thought I ever would need to know, but it is a state effort or a hospital effort. And so I don't want our community to think your county government has fallen flat. That is not true. I believe your county government and localities in the peninsula are primarily the reason things are getting better. It's not that the health department's not working. They've just been under-resourced and understaffed for a long time, I'm told. And so all of a sudden the pandemic, we want them to function like they are have been fully staffed and fully functional and they're struggling and they've needed some outside assistance and they are working well with us and it is getting better. So um, I will tell you the Hampton Roads localities have been talking about vaccinations for uh, the last four weeks uh, in terms of our, our CAOs, our city manager, county administrators. We did as a group write a letter to the governor that got some pretty good airtime and I think expressed a lot of our frustration, similar to other parts of the state, but frustrations for here in Hampton Roads. I can tell you specifically to the peninsula, uh, we are two health districts. There's a Hampton Health District and then the Peninsula Health District, but we have the same director. So really when we talk about our Peninsula Health Districts, it is one district with one director and one same staff. So there's not two staffs and two directors. So we have one director that in our Peninsula area has six um, city managers or county administrators to work for and five school systems as compared to a Chesapeake that the city is the health district where you have one local government and one school system. So there can some complexities just in that of trying to get all the pieces together. So there's challenges in that. And so we as your peninsula localities and the chief administrative officers have spent countless hours along with our fire chiefs and their staffs trying to work through this issue of how do we make it better? Um, what we heard early on is vaccine availability was going to be an issue. We felt like we weren't getting our proportionate share here on the peninsula. And while I don't have numbers, I still believe that to be the case. We couldn't get it out fast enough for whatever reason. We weren't getting our share, so it was going somewhere else to be vaccinated. That's what I believe. Not I can't prove that, but it just was slow, so slow starting here that I feel that's, we felt that's what was going on. So we localities got involved. We have established three clinics. I can't tell you what all the effort behind the clinics, but we do have three. Ours happens to be at the Colonial Williamsburg Visitor Center. To get it so our EMTs who give shots every day could vaccinate the general public has taken almost a month. We have been trying since after Christmas to get the authority and the, um, I say insurance, but the ability to have some 
a coverage for our medical doctors that oversee our EMT staff that they were comfortable allowing our EMTs to vaccinate the public. They could vaccinate our staffs because they were doing that already. It was moving into the public in a different realm that the oversight and we needed some help from the state, which we have. We have that coverage now. And as of a week ago today, we were told that's okay. So our EMTs can now vaccinate the public. So that was a big hurdle for us with our clinic of who we were gonna start to vaccinate. The other piece we haven't quite solved is how do we register? Uh, so we register our staff through spreadsheets. We don't wanna be registering the general public through spreadsheets. That needs to be in a more centralized database. The Department of Health is working through that. They changed their registration systems in early January to a different software system that is being piloted today in, a, in one of our three clinics. And so I hope next week our clinic will operate on the Department of Health's uh, registration system as well. That will allow us to move into doing more public vaccinations. So, Two weeks ago, and it's saying that, that's why when folks ask, well, why are you focusing on school teachers and essential city county staff? That's the that's a primary reason. We couldn't safely vaccinate the public with one, our EMTs having the, the coverage they needed, and secondly, the right registration system to track members of the public so that we could make sure that they were adequately vaccinated, both first and second shots. So we started our clinics, or we talked about clinics for the past month. Two weeks ago today on the peninsula, we had zero doses for our three clinics, none. We didn't have any commitment of vaccine availability for our doses or for our clinics. We had numerous calls with Dr. Avula, who's uh, the health district director out of Richmond, who the governor tapped to sort of lead the effort statewide. We've had a number of conversations trying to represent our area, trying to get our proportionate share of vaccine. And so we went from zero doses two weeks ago Friday to the Monday, uh, Martin Luther King Day, we had 7,000 doses committed to our three localities. And so that's at least progress. Since that time, we have probably increased that number to close to 10,000 doses. Uh, when we have our public employees, including school teachers, we're close to 20,000 in number. So we, you know, we're not all the way there. When you take out those that maybe decide they don't want to be vaccinated, um, we're getting much closer. We still probably need another 5,000 doses to get through all of our teachers on the peninsula and our essential staff. But I will tell you in two weeks, we have come a long, long way. Our clinic at the Colonial Williamsburg Visitor Center opened a week ago as we're doing this podcast. At the, the end of today, they will have vaccinated over 1,800 people and mostly school teachers and again, essential employees from Williamsburg, York County and James City County. So we, we are making progress and things are gonna get better for us. So I want the community to know that. We're not trying to exclude um, that the over 75, you know, we've, uh, we just haven't had the ability to do it in our clinics yet. I think that will change next week. We, we went thing, uh, through a, a discussion with the health department where they were running a clinic here locally in James City County on Ironbound Road. Um, we said it doesn't make sense to have this clinic at Colonial Williamsburg Visitor Center and a different one on Ironbound Road. It took a few weeks, but the health department has agreed and they have joined us at our clinic. So I think that will become the clinic for our area. Um, and again, I think going forward, that'll get better and better for members of the public. I do know in talking with, uh, with representatives of Riverside and Centera Healthcare Systems, they are reaching out to their patients. I believe in most cases, those over 75 and trying to work through ages, coming down, starting with the oldest and working through that. Uh, I do know residents that have been vaccinated through those two uh, opportunities. So it is coming, I do. progress is being made. And then I know some local pharmacies are now getting vaccine where they're reaching out to their patients first and then, or their customers first, and then distributing vaccines that way. So it is coming and again, uh, it will get better and better as we go through time. Um, 
I do think vaccine availability will continue to be the issue nationwide. Uh, you know, we're told Virginia gets 105 doses a week. Uh, you separate that out across Virginia, 105,000, I'm sorry, right? 105, look a little, key, 100, a little confused, 105,000 doses a week. When you start spreading that across the Commonwealth, it just doesn't mean that many doses get spread out. Um, I'm not sure of the distribution channel before, but we were told it will be based on population going forward. And so we will do better in terms of getting doses. Back when we had our health district director in front of the board, January 12th, I think she shared that we were getting 600 doses in the Peninsula Health District. I know that has turned into thousands at this point. So our number is up even over two weeks in terms of getting our proportionate share. And again, I believe that will get better. We just need people to remain patient, Keep trying, call the VDH line, get your name on the list and talk with your providers here that if you have them. In terms of our, our county staff and, and essential employees in terms of being vaccinated, those that wanted, we have made it through these departments. If folks wonder, what about our police and fire? Well, our EMTs were, were vaccinated first and they were really done ahead of any of our clinics set up. And so when I said zero doses, our medical staff were part of group 1A. And I will say thank you to Riverside, they were reaching out and we scheduled our all of our EMT staff that wanted to be vaccinated, really received vaccination starting at the end of December, early January. So that's happened. And then we've extended that to the rest of our fire employees, anybody in fire departments, police department that wanted to be vaccinated has had that opportunity. They're either scheduled or have had their vaccine. Our courts, we extended it to courts, our jail staff, not the uh, inmate population, but our staff working at the jail, WADA, those driving our buses, those employees that have wanted to receive a vaccine have, our social services staff that interact with the public have, and other essential workers from our water and sewer folks at JCSA. If they've wanted to have a vaccine, we've been able to offer that. So I feel very good that we're making uh, good progress in terms of vaccinating what we feel are essential employees to keep your county operation and function going. So again, when I look at numbers, and we talked cases earlier, Renee, you know, for the county, we've had 3,400 cases uh, as of today of COVID in the county. We've had 113 hospitalizations, and unfortunately, we've had 38 deaths. And so, um, you know, I really sympathize for those that have had a loved one pass away due to COVID, particularly under the conditions where their loved one oftentimes is alone in the hospital. And that is really tragic as uh, we learn hear these stories over and over. In terms of vaccines, as of today, we have vaccinated almost 8,000 James City County residents. Uh, we've made a lot of progress in the long-term care facilities. And I say we, the state has. We have not as a, your local government, but I know that that is happening. And so we're at almost 8,000 um, residents of James City County that have been vaccinated. We're vaccinating another 1,000 people in our clinic today. Uh, most of them will be James City County residents, not all. So those numbers will continue to increase. And again, that that's... Um, almost 8,000 vaccinations that have been delivered is probably about 15% of our population that wants it. Because uh, not everybody has made up their mind that they want to be vaccinated. You know, we continue to hear that. Um, and so I guess with that, what did I miss, Renee? That's an awful lot of vaccinations or vaccine delivery. Um, I think I covered all I meant to there. Uh, anything you've been involved in putting out information and trying to keep people updated? Yeah, I do want to clarify the thousand residents. We are still talking school teachers and essential personnel, correct? That is correct. Going through, not the general public. Mostly. The Department okay. of Health is, is doing, they're moving into, they've been doing the 1As that were left over, some of the medical yes. offices. They have started trying to schedule the 75 and above. I'm told they have a list of more than 13,000 on their call-in number. So again, if you're one of those, I think they will get to you. 
but it's going to be slow. It's going to be you know weeks, not days before you're receiving that call. Scott, I think I'm going to put you on the spot. You said a percentage during the last, during the business meeting for the board of the number of residents that we have in the county that are 65 and up. Do you happen to remember what that was? Yeah, and you know, rather than percentages, Renee, what I remember is numbers, right? When okay. it was 75 and up, I think it's around 8,000 residents. And I'll be okay. close. It was, I pulled from census data, it's around 8,000 residents. When they added 65 and up, which I'm not against, we went from 8,000 to almost 20. And so we more than doubled that population that's at risk. And so we went from having 8,000 people that would really like a vaccine or a significant percentage of those that would really like a vaccine sooner than later to more than doubling it. And so you know, if we've had vaccine, like I told you earlier, our health district had about 600 doses, um, some through the hospital systems, but 600 through public health. Um, it would take a long time to get through 7,000 and much longer to get through the 20,000. So we are improving on those numbers, but that is some of the challenge. There's just a lot of people who are ready to be vaccinated. And yes. we just don't have the capacity to do it all at once. You know, one thing I've had to remind myself and I would remind um, the community, last March and April, you almost couldn't find a face mask. You couldn't get a COVID test. There were all these things that were, you couldn't get toilet paper and paper towels. It was just, everybody wanted it and you just couldn't get it. So it really put people in a panic mode for a lot of things for, for a month or more. That has really recovered. We can get all the face masks we want, or at least it appears that we can. From your county staff, we have tens of thousands in our warehouse so that we can uh, adequately protect our staff. Uh, we don't seem to have a problem ordering those. Same with, for the most part, paper towels and toilet paper. I've seen a slight dip in that at least a few times over the last six months, but by and large, that's available. And COVID testing, you know, if I wanted to test today, there seem to be plenty of outlets where I can go at least to a walk-in pharmacy, get an appointment, get a, a test today if I want. I've known people to be able to do that where they maybe couldn't get an appointment um, in one location, they could walk into a pharmacy clinic and get it done within an hour or two. So it's gotten better. And I think the same will happen with vaccines is right now there's so much demand and the distribution and supply is limited. The distribution and supply is gonna to continue to improve. There will be more outlets for it. Um, we will get there, but it's probably another month or two of people being really concerned and worried. Um, and hopefully by early summer, we've gotten to everybody that really uh, feels a need for it. I know if you do the numbers, 100,000 or 105,000 doses a week for the state doesn't get us all the way in three or four months even, right? That's 400,000 doses a month. If we have, that just takes a while to get through the population that's gonna want it. But I believe that supply will get better as we go forward in time as well. Um, one of the question I've heard if people got a first dose, out of that 105, is that gonna take away from the 105 later when they go back for their second dose? Because it is the same uh, medicine you're getting both times or the same vaccine. And what we're told, and I heard Dr. Avula say it, I think again this week with the governor's press conference, that there is a separate allocation that they are giving out for that. So when you get into the second dose, it shouldn't take away from the 105 to give the second dose. There's this different allocation of vaccine set aside for that second dose. So we ought to get 105 and better going forward in time. Well, I think that, I think that's great, obviously. And we have been offering a news release every day that we send out at four o'clock, Monday through Friday, that kind of summarizes everything we know as of four o'clock that afternoon. And 
we've been fortunate that there have been changes that have been occurring, you know, over this past week or so that we've been doing this. But again, with patients, we're going to get to the point where there's not really going to be any updates. It's just going to be chugging through that list of the folks that want the vaccine. But we're going to continue to provide the four o'clock. But just for everyone to be patient that this is not going to be over like that, no matter how much we would all like for it to be. Well, and, and like we said in the beginning, or I tried to say, sanitize and wash your hands, wear your mask and social distance, do all the things you've been doing for the last six or nine months. That's what we need. Even when you're vaccinated, you still need to do that. You know, one of these, we don't want folks to be vaccinated and think, oh, they're fine. They just quit doing all that. We need you to continue to do that for a period of time. And you know, I'm sure our medical professionals will tell us when that time is over. But in between here and there, I hope we do keep more businesses open and we're allowed to, to get more normal and get, and particularly our small businesses and restaurants and hotels, get them back to a point where they're profitable and able to sustain themselves. You know, Renee, two other things I want to mention, we haven't yet captured military. You know, the military has been able to vaccinate differently. They're not in our numbers. Um, I know this, we've talked about this at the, with the Secretary of Health and Human Services. So at the very high levels within the state, they are trying to capture those numbers within our population. Because I think that would, if you look at even the Peninsula Health District to see how many are vaccinated, it doesn't look as good as it will if we add the military members, because we have a lot of military um, that would be vaccinated already that we're not counting. So again, I think it's better than the numbers show, and there is an effort trying to pull those in and capture those numbers. Uh, we also set up as part of our clinic an information line for citizens to call. It can't schedule, we can't schedule through our information line, but we can say you will talk to somebody. And if you can't talk to somebody, I think we're set up where we'll call you back. So from a standpoint of, and I know we've had hundreds of residents calling, it's been open this week. I know when I was asking for, has it been busy? We've had hundreds of calls. At least you can talk to somebody that can help you understand the information that's out there versus just having to read it yourself off a website or a news release or in the paper. Uh, we generally have a list of frequently asked questions that the, our, our call takers there uh, should be able to help at least explain it to you. To you. Um, so if you have questions, I would encourage you to call the number and I have the number. Do you know what it is, Renee? I'll oh, have to look. It's so not off know. the top of my head, but we will most definitely include it on the screens at the end. Yeah, and, and I've got it so good. If you'll add that for yep. folks, I have the number. If I can find it in my notes, they're here beside me on the desk, but I'll trust that you'll make sure folks have that yep. number. But then you're talking to somebody here local. It is running out of Williamsburg and James City County. There are, if you have a question we haven't thought about, we'll get an answer to it and add it to our frequently asked questions. Uh, but the real issue is trying to give our community somebody to talk to. So it is a voice on the other end. Again, we can't schedule appointments yet. We hope to move into that mode. We're not there yet. They're going to refer you to the Department of Health website and putting your name and information there. Um, but at least it's it's somebody that can, can maybe help talk you through what's going on. Well, and something that I've heard from folks, I've gotten a lot of telephone calls at the office from adult children with 70 and 80 year old parents that live in our community. They, the kids live out of town, but their parents live here. And it's so nice to see these children helping their parents, you know, work through all of this to get the information. So I would ask anybody watching this, if you have elderly parents in another community somewhere, you know, to see what you can do to help them get that information because it is overwhelming the amount of information that is out there in terms of all the different vaccines and scheduling and 
it's over and we all need some help with that. So, you know, look to your neighbors if you have neighbors that could need help, but just we've got to work together to get through all of this. Absolutely. You know, and Renee, we see a lot of things going on in other communities of why can't we do that here? Right. Uh, drive through clinics being one of those. Why can't we do a drive through clinic? Well, uh, we have, I think it's, you know, we have 35 health districts throughout Virginia. Each one has a different director. They all have the opportunity to do things a little differently. Our director and our hospital systems in particular, I'm told, are not comfortable with the waiting period with people in their cars. Mm -hmm. And so other, when folks say, well, they're doing it somewhere else. Well, somebody there has w said they're willing to take that risk with people being in their cars. We're not there yet. It's not to say we won't get there, but that's not Scott's decision. That really is the medical community's oversight of what they believe is looking after those being vaccinated. And right now they believe observation in a room where you can have EMT staff close by. So if you have an allergic reaction to uh, this vaccination, that somebody's close. And so, you know, for most of the people being in your car would be fine. But if you happen to be one of those that has a severe allergic reaction and your mechanism for getting help is to blow your horn, maybe that works or maybe our folks have not been willing to do that. So when you ask why we're not doing drive through clinics, that really is the why. The other police, uh, you know, I've seen across the country some clinics that are just opening up for those particular age groups or whatever. They're still doing phases. But if you were just come, come, you don't have to have an appointment. Well, that results in very long waits. And then you get to the end of the day and you might have waited hours in line and they might run out of vaccine. We're trying to run our clinic at least today and I think into the foreseeable future with appointments. Uh, and the experience has been when we run 400 people through a day, your wait time is really not all that long, maybe 15 to 30 minutes to, to get the vaccine and then your 15 to 30 minute wait period after. So if we just let all 400 come at one time, it could be a very long time, hours to get through that process. But the way we're doing it is trying to be very respectful of your time, not trying to have group people grouped in an area, trying to let you wait in your car until your appointment time. So as we run our clinic, I think you'll see us continue to try to schedule appointments. The actual process to check in and go through and, and be vaccinated is, is really experience and just watching has been less than 10 minutes from the time you walk in the door and talk to the person at the desk and get your vaccine. Uh, if we have a group come at one time, it could extend out a little longer. And this morning, I say we're running a thousand people today through our clinic. And this morning at nine, we had people anxious to get there. And so we did have some lines where folks were there early because they wanted to be on time uh, and just started the registration with a big group. But we have worked through that process within about the first hour. Uh, and I believe that we are getting them so they're not having to stand outside in the cold. Fortunately, this morning, it wasn't snowy and rainy. It was just a little windy and cold. But our intent is to not keep you waiting in our clinic, uh, that when you come, it's for a scheduled time. And so you'll see all sorts of versions uh, throughout the state and country of what people are doing. And some of that will work here. Some of that our medical professionals probably aren't willing to to do at this time. But uh, I do think there'll be more opportunities for uh, vaccinations and other outlets as we go forward. Well, Scott, I wanna thank you and the board and the fire chief and everyone that have been working so hard on behalf of the citizens of James City. And I know that people sometimes feel that there's nothing going on and that is so not true. I mean, I feel like all you've done is vaccine information for the last. Uh, I feel that way as well. <laughs> like I said, I've learned an awful lot about all the stuff behind the scenes that it takes to make the clinic run well. And I really do appreciate our staff working so hard at that. They have put hours and hours and hours. I can tell you our staff has talked to the health department representatives every day um, for the last two months. Well, at least the last six weeks and often before that, we've been talking on a regular basis since March 
And folks often hear the region doesn't work together. I can tell you from our staffs, our fire chiefs and their emergency management staff working with the other localities, they are talking every day. Um, the CEOs from uh, Hampton to Newport News to York to Williamsburg to Pocosin to James City, we are talking multiple times throughout the week and we are trying to look after one another and advocate together. And so the region is working extremely well together. And I do think the results and the positive things from these clinics we've set up um, are the result of your staffs working hard. We didn't have to, that's not really our role, except we didn't feel our residents were being well represented and well served. And so we did step in, even if we fill it for a week or a month, I do think the clinics have been very successful and I expect they will be in operation uh, for a period of time. And short of vaccine availability, we're ready to knock out 1400 a day. We've got to have vaccines so we're not there yet, but we have the capacity and feel very comfortable we can do 1400 a day um, and more if needed. So we're, we're excited about the opportunity and the possibility going forward. All right, well, anything else you want to talk about? You know, Renee, I think that's enough. Sure, there are other things going on. I'll save that for next time. Um, you know, we started with be safe, so please be safe. I mentioned snow. I think, you know, it's that time of year. We could have a snowfall most any time. And you know, I say I'm a summer person, but I do like a little snowfall. It's nice to wake up and it's all white and quiet and pretty. And uh, I'm glad when the afternoon when it melts off. But I would just encourage people to be prepared for those kinds of things and enjoy it when it comes. Um, and continue to look after one another as we go forward. You know, there are lots of people by themselves, Renee. We continue to hear that. People need somebody to talk to. They need an outlet. Uh, and so where you can fill in and do that, I'd ask folks to do that as well. But I think that's enough for today. All right. Well, Scott, as always, thank you so much. You do such a great job on these. So I really appreciate well, it. Well, you keep me straight with numbers and things. I can tell by the look on your face sometimes that Scott said something strange. So. Yeah, the 150 or whatever. I was like, <laughs> I know. I know. But you're going, the, and you're going to get the call center number up. So I appreciate they have yes, done that. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to go online and subscribe. That way you'll be sure to never miss an episode. You can find us at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you're going to find all of our information as well as a form that you can complete that does not sign you up for vaccines. But if you have other ideas for show ideas and um, guests, we would love to hear from you. So complete that form. We will have a screen on at the end of this podcast with additional information and places you can go to get that information. So thank you so much and we will talk with you next week. For more information about the COVID-19 vaccine, please call the information line at 877-724-1954. Again, 877-724-1954. You can also visit williamsburgva.gov slash COVID-19 vaccine. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to our news releases so you will receive our daily releases, including our four o'clock daily update on the COVID-19 vaccine. You can subscribe by sending an email to Renee, R-E-N-E-E dot Dalman, D-A-L-L-M-A-N at James City County VA. Dot gov. Thank you.